He knew the world would not be the same. Few people laughed. Few people cried. Most people were silent. I remembered the line from the Hindu scripture, the Bhagavad Gita. Vishnu is trying to persuade the prince that he should do his duty and to impress him takes on his multi-armed form and says, now I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. I suppose we all thought that one way or another. Hi, everyone. This is Alien Talk Podcast, a program where we discuss all things about aliens and UFOs, and where we always push the limits of our understanding. We are Joe Landry and Nori Olford here with you again for another exciting episode where we explore the wondrous subjects that pertain to extraterrestrials, the paranormal, and the mysterious. So we welcome you, and we thank you all for being with us. As always, we're really glad to have you here. So, hey, Laurie, how you doing? I'm doing well, Joe. I, I just want to uh, mention that our last episode with actor Aaron Long went uh, very well, um, other than some connection issues. Uh, it was really uh, great to have him join us all the way from the UK. And, and I think uh, we had a very uh, thorough and a very encompassing uh, discussion about uh, several important aspects about extraterrestrials and their role in uh, human history. So I just want to make a shout out to him one more time. Yeah, I agree. It was a real pleasure to talk to him, and he really brought a lot of knowledge to the table from his own research and study of subjects like history, religion, and archaeology. I would say we all definitely obtained a good bit of insight from that interview with Aaron. So, so much of uh, what we delved into uh, last time had to do with uh, the notion that extraterrestrial influences have always been with humanity. Uh, they've always been with us. And in many ways, they have shaped the civilizations that have risen here on Earth uh, all the way back to the beginning. And uh, much of what we have learned through science that has you know, given way to jumps in technology has a lot to do with these extraterrestrial influences. Yeah, you know, what you just heard a few minutes ago was the voice of Robert Oppenheimer, head of the Manhattan Project in the early 1940s and often called the father of the nuclear age. Uh, he was interviewed 20 years later in 1965 by Stefan Groff, uh, who was writing a book about the making of the atomic bomb. Uh, of course, Oppenheimer's quote is from the Hindu epic, the Bhagavad Gita, and it has become a famous line from him. He is describing to Groff um, his horror at having seen the power unleashed from the first atomic bomb, and says that is uh, what went through his mind. Um, that now I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. It is certainly a very dark and, and somber and, and foreboding tone from the man who was the lead physicist on that project. Yeah, you know, Joe, there are a lot of uh, frightened people out there. And truthfully, there always have been because the world can be you know, a pretty scary place. And we've been immersed in that for our entire evangelical Christian lives in the uh, form of teachings about, you know, the apocalypse or the end times. Of course, the reality is that things are pretty messed up here in our world. And this is something that, you know, preachers go into quite a bit. 
uh, if not all the time, with sermons about how bad things are happening everywhere and are going to get even worse because the the end of time is near. But you know, fret not for for this must take uh, place before you know Jesus' second coming, which is good if you're a Christian believer, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Um, yeah, the word apocalypse is actually from the Greek word meaning to uncover, and and we've gone into this topic before about the end of the world as as we know it. Um, culminating in a day of judgment, the final judgment. This concept really strikes the very foundation of the human psyche in that we uh, must answer for the immorality in our lives to a higher power. And that comes when our lives end and and has been with us, this notion, really since time immemorial and certainly since our own lives began. I remember back in the 80s hearing about uh, how the apocalypse and the Antichrist were, were soon to come. And, and that tensions between the United States and the Soviet Union were a sign of eschatology coming to fruition. Eschatology referring to the biblical prophecies that are said to tell of the end of the world. Of course, the situation with the country of Israel and its neighbors was always a, a major part of that. And, and as that was being at the final battle called Armageddon, it's supposed to happen there in, in what is the land of Israel. Uh, but if we were to closely examine how the scriptures could actually relate to the ancient aliens, uh, as we have been before, then we must ask how uh, that connects with the notion about the end times and about the return of the Lord. Well, you know, the whole message of salvation for Christians is centered on this idea of the end of the world, the end of mortal life and uh, you know perpetuation of the soul beyond death, uh, raising the question of, you know, where will you be for all eternity after this world and this life have passed away? Yeah, and and why the idea of the apocalypse pervades uh, religious thinking all over the world is for the moment where we believe our existence will transfer, transition from what they are now um, to something more eternal. Why does this idea even exist? And it is also um, that point that everyone comes to know what truly is real in the cosmic and spiritual sense, uh, that being the end of the world, and, and all uh, will then be, everyone will be held to account uh, for their lives at the end of the world or the end of their lives, um, and being found worthy of uh, eternal bliss in a place like heaven, paradise, Valhalla, Yana, Tian, or the Bardo plane, or, or else to be condemned to eternal damnation in a place like hell, Hades, Purgatory, Kerr. Sheol or the outer darkness. Exactly. But the purpose of this discussion isn't to you know, go into all of the many different beliefs about the end times. Uh, there are about as many different versions and interpretations of, of that as there are number of people alive. Instead, we want to look at why we even have these beliefs in the first place. Like, Why do we as humans uh, have such an obsession with meeting our maker face to face is it because we were taught that uh, you know taught this by our maker or or more accurately our makers <laughs> uh, now Zechariah Sitchin did an exhaustive uh, amount of research on this aspect of this theory and put it within the context of alien intervention of aliens you know having some significant role in the end times which he wrote about in his book, appropriately titled The End of Days. So he mentions from references found in the Uganda or the Ugaric text 
about how in 2024 BC, the gods themselves seem to have used nuclear weapons to wipe out the inhabitants of the land of Canaan, as well as the Sinai. And also that radioactive debris was carried you know, by westerly winds that killed off the population of the third dynasty of Ur in Mesopotamia, thus you know, completely ending the great Sumerian civilization. Right. And we even get a kind of glimpse of, of that very scenario in Genesis 19 with the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, the angels, uh, or, or the men, depending on which version of the Bible you have, uh, whisk Lot and his family off to the plain and tell him not to look back at the cities or stop anywhere along the way until they reach the mountains, or else they'll get swept away. In the uh, Hindu epic, the Mahabharata, uh, we have a similar description of a, a war happening among the gods at Mahojandaro, in which there were blasts uh, more brilliant than a thousand suns, and all of which seem exactly what we know about nuclear explosions. I mean, it, it just look at some of that old military footage uh, that I think we've all seen of weapons being tested. I mean, the imagery is just spot on. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so oddly enough, we are approaching the year 2024 AD now, which is an eerie coincidence to contemplate in which you know, we are, again, talking about nuclear war and the power of nuclear weapons. And the people of the world have been aware of that for close to 80 years now. now although the, the fear in the present day is not that aliens will attack us with this kind of force, but that World War Three will erupt among nations. And right now, you know, the eye is on Russia and Ukraine in particular. Yeah, but you mentioned, Laurie, that an alien intervention and possibly an alien agenda that is thought by some people to be wrapped up in the whole idea of the apocalypse. Uh, I mean, even in Christianity, we have Jesus saying um, throughout the Gospel of John that he, in fact, is not of this world and that his kingdom is in heaven. In Matthew three twelve, he says that he will return from heaven along with his angels and saints, and he will defeat Satan and separate the chaff from the wheat. So here again is the typology of the spiritual realm of the gods uh, being one and the same as the sky and being the place where they dwell and where they come from. If we are going to go along with the idea that the gods of mythology are indeed extraterrestrial beings, one's not from this world, just as Jesus calls himself, then the imagery impressed upon us about the end of times is about none other than the return of extraterrestrial beings. Absolutely. Um, could it be that our ancestors believe through their oral tradition that the gods, the Anunnaki, the beings from a different planet, a different world, were you know, supposed to return, perhaps by being directly told by them or just you know, simply coming to that assumption on their own, uh, then people may very well have concluded that they may be in trouble for doing something that was unfavorable to the gods and say day of reckoning that is due to come, right? Uh, the day of their return, the, the day of judgment. Uh, what if you know our technological advancement, which has progressed so much that we are capable of destroying ourselves is what will make them most concerned about our evolution by coming back sooner to deal with us. Yeah, uh, we may be raising serious concerns for them. And what if this is meant by us becoming like gods? Is it us being able to emulate what they can do with the power to be a destroyer of, of a world? Uh, perhaps to them, this is what they cannot allow humanity to achieve, even though it seems that we have already achieved it. Um, and what is 
And what if it is not even just our technology, but our, our, our ways of life with our politics and, and ideologies and philosophies? Now, what if they deem that how we are evolving is completely unsuitable to their ideals and agendas? And perhaps this is what is summed up in Isaiah 55, uh, 8 through 9, where it says that God's thoughts are not our thoughts and God's ways are not our ways. So this particular point makes me wonder why, since the World War II era, there has been an increase in UFO activity, uh, virtually unheard of before then, until you know we get the Battle of Los Angeles in 1942, then the uh, Foo Fighter sightings in 1944 and 1945. So after that, we have atomic bombs dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And then it seems to pick up even more with Kenneth Arnold's flying saucer formation, which was spotted near Mount Rainier in 1947. And of course, we can't forget the Roswell crash shortly thereafter. And then more and more after that. So, I mean, we've asked this question before, you know, what was it about World War II and the years following that brought this increase in reported UFO encounters? Now, two significant factors came about at, at this uh, point in human history. One was an exponential acceleration in technological breakthroughs. You know, more so in the past 80 years than since the very dawn of civilization. Uh, the second is the capability to wipe out all life on Earth by weaponizing nuclear energy. And both of these factors could be a concern to them. So you have to wonder if it was this that uh, got their attention right after World War II. Right. And, and if we did get their attention, as you say, would they want to meddle in our development, you know, try to frustrate us in our technological ambitions so as to uh, thwart our capacity for our own destruction? And, and what if all these encounters are the result of interventions from certain alien races, uh, you know, perhaps benevolent ones, and to do just that? Um, maybe they have actually managed at some point along the line uh, to prevent us from going into World War Three. Uh, already. Maybe that happened a long time ago and we just weren't even aware of it. We'll be back after a quick break. Hi, and welcome to Hiss and Tell, a cat podcast where we delve deep into the fascinating world of feline behavior with your host, me, Christina Wilson, a professional animal behaviorist. Each episode features insightful discussions with leading veterinarians, dedicated researchers and scientists, experts in cat behavior and training, and so much more. Join me as we decode the complexities of pet loss, unravel the mysteries of feline health and behavior, and discover the latest research findings. I'll meet you at Hiss and Tell. Well, given the history of these sightings, I would say that would be possible. Uh, remember the Rendlesham Forest incident in 1980? Um, after U.S. Air Force Sergeant uh, Jim Penniston supposedly touched the craft of unknown origin. So he claimed to have a vision of seeing ones and zeros, a you know binary code of some kind, was, which was instilled into his mind. Now, he claimed that uh, after the code was submitted for deciphering, uh, it presented a message stating exploration of humanity continuous for planetary advance or you know something along those lines. Now, if this was a true message given to us by an extraterrestrial civilization, then it just may be a sign that we are you know being watched. If so, if something like World War III was about to happen, 
And then would they, the alien gods or the alien guardians, uh, the watchers, intervene to prevent it? Now, would something like a nuclear war usher in humanity's first contact in the way we talked about a few months ago? Now, which would be a close encounter of the third kind for everyone in the world, in the whole world, all at once, at the same moment, with a sort of our model of our model of uh, alien spaceships coming to Earth, and you know, could that uh, occur because we now um, have weapons of such power that we have become like the gods, especially that pesky Visnu, <laughs> um, and you know, they they may not be too happy with that. Now. <clears throat> Now, there have actually been many sightings by service members uh, who also came forward to say that they witnessed UFOs around nuclear facilities and nuclear military installations. Now, there's an article in the New York Post from October 21st of last year, and it said that former Air Force Chief Master Sergeant uh, claimed how he saw a UFO shooting beams of light at a nuclear warhead during a testing. The article further explains that First Lieutenant Robert Jacobs witnessed a strange craft uh, resembling a flying saucer, circled a dummy warhead during a test flight, and that this occurred in California uh, in around 1964. And also, another article by CBS, by CBS stated that um, whatever the mysterious lights in the sky were, they seemed to have an interest in our nukes. Now, this was said in a press conference held in Washington sometime back in September of 2010. You know, per the article, uh, Robert Hastings, uh, who is a, a UFO researcher from Albuquerque, New Mexico, said that over 120 former personnel told him that they witnessed UFOs overhead at nuclear weapons storage and, uh, and testing facilities. One reported to have been at uh, Maelstrom Air Force Base in Montana uh, back in 1967 when 10 ICBMs had mysteriously gone inoperative. Uh, what's strange is that um, base security reported a mysterious red glowing UFO at the same time. And, and as of this date, there is no official explanation for it. Supposedly, there are similar kinds of reports of such things from military personnel um, now, now there were also similar reports from uh, other military personnel from like the Soviet Union and, and from Great Britain. Well, interestingly, we, we get a vivid depiction of what seems to be a nuclear holocaust or an attack from something in outer space from what is found in Revelation 21.1, where supposedly John the Evangelist uh, sees a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, perhaps. Um, this is also echoed in the Muslim Quran in Surah 27 with the observance of the sun rising in the west, which will tell <clears throat> that the beast of the earth will arrive to end the world. And in Hinduism, the Bhagavad Purana tells of when Vishnu um, will dissolve and regenerate the, the whole universe. In Judaism, there's the Messianic Age, which is to be a time of peace, justice, prosperity, and good health. and and this is what many Christian denominations would, would call the millennium or the, the millennial reign of Jesus at the second coming. Again, it is, is all about the return of, of something big from out in the heavens. Well, the theme is consistent among all cultures that the, the return of a deity is a you know, cataclysmic end of an age and the beginning of an entirely new and altered one where many perish for being unworthy. 
And we find that the Christian Jesus, or the Egyptian Osiris, the Sumerian Demuzi, the Nordic Loki, the Aztec Quetzalcoatl, all of them, their return is a reckoning to set things right, to establish justice, and to restore the proper order of things. And it's never described as being a picnic either. Like even for those who are right with the gods, or God with the capital G, there is much tribulation and turmoil to be endured. Sure. And if you show me a hundred different clergy, I will show you a hundred different explanations about what is going to happen with the apocalypse and the last judgment. And of course, they're always wrong with any of these predictions. They, they keep going to Matthew 24, 36 and Mark 13, 32 uh, with no one knows the uh, day or hour, only the Father knows. Yet they keep trying to fix a date when it's going to happen. <laughs> so, you know, will we see a nuclear calamity in two years in 2024? I would venture to say no. Yeah, maybe not. Uh, but, you know, Zach, Zachariah Sitchin actually calculated several dates that could be affixed as the end of days. For example, 2087 AD was thought to, you know, correspond to the return of the Egyptian god Thoth, based on what has been described as 100 bundles of 52 years. 2240 AD uh, has been uh, assessed from uh, Deuteronomy 7, 7 and 9 and Psalms 90 and 4, and that 1,000 years to the Lord is like one day such that the beginning took six days in Genesis, which equates to 6,000 years from beginning to end. And with the Sumerian Nippur calendar, starting in 3760 BC, 3760 BC, 6,000 years takes it to 2240 AD. And of course, there is the Mayan prophecies of the 12 Bactons of 144,000 days, giving a passage of 5,125 years with the end in 2012 AD. Now, obviously, it didn't happen in that year, 2012, came and went, with the world still chugging forward. However, Sitchin also went with the year 2060 AD, 2060 AD, as being the end, which happens to be what Sir Isaac Newton predicted for the end of the world. Now, this came from his careful uh, interpretation of the book of Daniel to come up with zodiacal ages which is what he believed the prophet was actually talking about with the annotation of time and a time and a half. And we do know that ancient people were aware of zodiacal changes or ages, ages and the transitioning of one to another. The most recent one being the age of uh, Pisces, um, which began right around the time of Jesus. Right. And a zodiacal age is the time that the sun appears to cross into a certain constellation of the zodiac at the time of the vernal equinox in March. Remember, the earth wobbles on its axis in a motion known as precession, which is a gyroscopic rolling of an object that spins. So planets spin and they, they wobble like a gyroscope. And the earth's precession takes about 26,000 years to complete. So every 2160 years the zodiac seems to shift and right now the constellation in which the sun is in front of uh, at the start of spring is changing from pisces to aquarius just like the song by that 60s music group the fifth dimension you know it is the dawning of the age of aquarius <laughs> um so in, in another 2160 years it will seem to be in front of capricorn so by using the year-day principle that many theologians apply to prophetic metaphor, 
And if the time, times and a half a time of Daniel was referring to zodiacal ages, then it is a period of 2,160 years, um, 43, 4,320 years, and then 1,080 years for a total of 7,560 years. And from that, he, um, he uh, uh, Sir Isaac Newton, came up with 2,060 AD as the end of all of that. Right. Interestingly, there were two pagan priests in the second century BC, one from uh, Babylon named uh, Berosus and the other from Egypt named uh, Manteos, who estimated the duration of our world would be two, was it two, two billion, one hundred and sixty. No, I think it's actually yeah, two, 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 two million, one hundred sixty thousand years, million yeah. years, right? Yeah, uh, which which comes out to be like a thousand zodiacal ages, a a a millennium of zodiacal ages. So, uh, how does this idea pervade humanity the way it does? Like with a universal belief that at some point everything will come to an end, and that a judgment day will follow, where everybody will face our Creator to be uh, deemed worthy and acceptable by the kind of people we are, which is conditional to the uh, belief system a person follows. Um, could it be that our ancient ancestors learned this from stories of the Anunnaki, the extraterrestrials who, who come to our world and leave again, all in a re, you know repetitive and you know, cyclical way? And according to Sitchin, this is because uh, the planet Nibiru uh, only comes close to Earth every 3,600 years. So, so people would tell stories about them being here long ago and then uh, leaving, n- knowing that they will come back again. Well, you know, uh, according to George Weber in his book, The Consummation of History, uh, John the Evangelist used much of the symbols from the book of Daniel to tell of his vision concerning the apocalypse, you know, which to Christians is God's triumph over the evil in the world and the restoration of his covenant with all of humanity, uh, found in chapter 7, verses 9 to 22, uh, with the Ancient of Days in garments as white as snow and who had a fiery throne with wheels. Um, Who is that? Is that supposed to be God? Is it El or or Yahweh? Is it the personification of time, like Father Time? Uh, Or even an ancient astronaut that is very ambiguous. It's it's unclear. It's um, loaded with uh, symbolism. And then the, there are the four beasts coming out of the sea. The, and then there's also the eternal kingship of one like the son of man. So these images were often impregnated with uh, allegorical and, and uh, metaphoric meaning that the people back then would have understood very well. Um, they could be a, a polemic about the political state of the world back at that time, but they may also represent extraterrestrial events that had occurred at some point in time in the, in the past for them. Um, but we have to wonder, you know, why we think we're going to meet up with God at all, whether it be the Christian God, the Muslim God, or or any God. Why are we destined to meet up with him or them and be judged whether we are righteous and redeemable? Well, if our prehistoric ancestors were in contact with a highly advanced alien species who not only helped to create our genome, the Homo sapiens, but who also dwelt here on Earth, then they would have arrived and departed many times throughout the various eras of the past, and they would have believed that they had to appeal to their, their judgment, their better judgment. Uh, they would have been obviously seen as superior um, beings. Um, I guess you can, the, a, a good analogy would be the comparison of, of children to adults. Children want to um, 
follow the rules of the adults and get the approval of adults. And could it be the same with humans and these more superior uh, extraterrestrial beings? So since they may very well have come and gone way back then, surely our ancestors would think that after they left this time, that they will return just as they have before. And this notion of their return may have been imbued upon the mythological uh, traditions about the gods coming back to hold everyone accountable for what they did you know, while they were away. And that could cause some problems for us, as most religions say as much. And like you've pointed out, some even believe the last judgment or the white throne judgment will happen and that our lives will be displayed before all, much like a movie and everything about it, including all of our dirty little secrets. And so, yeah, this could be a problem. <laughs> um, we'll be examined and judged. So, yeah, um, I, I, I could see some uh, <laughs> some problems with that, some in, uh, some yeah. embarrassing things. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the, the return of the so-called gods is, is not necessarily a good thing. So we also have the rapture alluded to in uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17, where it says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain you know, shall be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. To me, it sounds very much like an abduction, a mass abduction bigger than anything to ever happen on earth and if it indeed does come to pass it will be the greatest event ever recorded now people are supposedly going to be involved in their normal daily activities and then poof uh, they're to be taken away without giving any consent or having any knowledge immediately beforehand has something like this ever happened before and is this a big mis a misinterpretation of, of scriptures and could this actually be the return of the Anunnaki? Yeah, like you said, the return of the, the gods is not necessarily a good thing, just like the return of the boss is not necessarily a good thing, or the return of your parents when you're a little kid is not necessarily a good thing. Um, we might have to answer for some, from some stuff. Um, you know, this, this passage you, you mentioned uh, from Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians is really the only place where there is really such a reference to the rapture. Um, Although there are plenty of source traditions that do incorporate flying beings as well as uh, incorporate people's desire for themselves to fly up in the sky. And it could it be that Paul was on to something by saying this. Uh, you know, the idea of the rapture, you know, mostly came out of dispensational theology with it supposedly uh, marking the beginning of a messianic age here on earth. And it's been taught uh, as, a, as like a mass exodus, as, as being a mass exodus from the planet. Um, like you, like you said. However, it has not always been taught that way. Uh, many early Christians, like uh, Origen of Alexandria and Rufinus of Concordia, um, early bishops, church fathers, saw it in more of a spiritual type of experience and not a physical one. Although many, including Augustine, Saint Augustine, believed it would also be a physical one, uh, just like before the, the Last Judgments. And others began to teach that the rapture will have uh, all the righteous believers being taken away up to heaven while things uh, go completely to pot uh, down here on earth in a seven-year tribulation, which is to precede the actual return of Jesus for the millennium. I think Hal Lindsey wrote a lot about this in his book, The Late Great Planet Earth. 
yeah and uh things things going completely to pot sounds like how things are going right now um yeah i mean you have a major war clashing political ideologies deteriorating foreign relations natural disasters uh i mean don't forget covid19 pandemic you know the whole works and it has always been like that sometimes even worse like with the bubonic plague but uh but anyway the early church certainly believed that you know jesus would return in their lifetimes as he told them that in uh, matthew 24 and verse 34 I believe, that they would be around for the uh, judgment of the lord however they weren't now uh, he said this right after uh, telling his disciples that the moon will not shine and the stars will fall from the sky According to him, the uh, judgment should have already occurred a, a very long time ago. Yeah, he appears to know for certain that the generation at that time would not pass away. Yet he does not know the exact day or hour. Ironically enough, it it actually ended very badly for those disciples because they all died under the misery life of uh, of, of living in the Rome under the uh, rule of the Roman Empire, well before that generation ended. So there was no mass abduction for them. Uh, no two people in the field, you know, where one was taken and one was lit, like Jesus said. Uh, most of them suffered right here on earth. Although, on the other hand, Jesus also told them that they would be persecuted and that they will be put to death for his name's sake. Yeah, so one way or the other, this prediction came true. Either <laughs> you'll see the end of the world or you'll die before then. Uh, easy prophecy, right? Right. <laughs> But aside from that, as, as, you know, as far back as the 4th century A.D., St. Martin of Tours stated that there was no doubt in his mind at all that the Antichrist had already been born. Um, and, and he was wrong. Uh, there was a strong consensus during the time of the Crusades, uh, which was a full millennium after Jesus' death, that the second coming was very imminent. And they were wrong. Uh, Reformation figures like John Calvin and Martin Luther all thought that the popes Alexander VI and Leo X were the Antichrist. All these proclamations by men of uh, ecclesiastical authority, mind you, were completely wrong. Yeah, and how, how many times have evangelists said that the Lord is certain to return in our lifetimes? Uh, I mean, quite a few have said that uh, it is imminent and will happen anytime. Hell, Lindsay, as you mentioned earlier, he used to say uh, it would be before 1981. Another preacher, Lister Sumrall, published a book back in the 80s titled I Predict 2000, which came out a few years after his other book, I Predict 1985. He was obviously wrong in both books, but I guess people were gullible enough and purchased them anyway. Um, and after that, the uh, <clears throat> sorry, and uh, well, uh, after that, the uh, the Jehovah's Witnesses watched. Uh, I'm sorry, I was fighting the cold here. <laughs> um, or allergies. Uh, witnesses Watchtower Society uh, was founded. Um, they said that Jesus would return in uh, 1914. Now, many preachers were saying in 1990, and I remember this clearly, that Saddam Hussein was the Antichrist, and that the Battle of Armageddon was going to happen in the uh, Persian Gulf War. Another famous preacher on TV, a televangelist named Jack Van Impey, and a author, Christian author, Grant Jeffrey, uh, would get on television and say to be ready in 2003. Uh, even Edgar Casey said back in the 30s that the uh, Earth's poles would drastically shift in 2001 and bring disaster. 
And, you know, quite frankly, Joe, I can't remember a time when, you know, the end of the world wasn't uh, supposed to be just around the corner. Uh, even though Jesus says in Acts 1-7, it is not for us to know when the end will be. Yeah, I remember all that, too. I remember in the 90s uh, how many of these guys, like you said, uh, Grant Jeff- Jeffrey uh, was pretty uh, insistent that by the year 2000, it was going to be it. Uh, the 90s, you know, I remember the Persian Gulf War. Um, of course, I was uh, deployed during the Persian Gulf War, and I remember a lot of people saying this is part of the end-time uh, fulfillment here, with Saddam Hussein possibly being the Antichrist, uh, none of which uh, came to fruition. I mean, it was uh, historically, uh, factually wrong. Um, but according to uh, author Richard Abains, I'm sorry, um, in his book uh, titled End-Time Visions, the Christian communities since the 19th century have been declaring that the scriptures clearly identify, quote unquote, right now as the eve of global catastrophe. And you not only have the, the rapture and the tribulation, but you also have this this millennium with denominations who say that they are uh, either premillennialist, postmillennialist or amillennialist. And that, and that's just dealing with the second coming of Jesus, you know, and you also have in other religions like uh, in Shiite Islam, Islam, the coming of the 12th Amman. Um, now in, in, in Greek, Roman, Egyptian, Nordic, Celtic and Hindu um, religions, uh, doomsday prophecies of many kinds are, are all telling of stories how everything as we know it will one day end. And of course, we can't forget the famous quatrains of, yes, Nostradamus. <laughs> um, so that, that raises the question of which of these narratives do we believe? There, there's so many of them. Uh, which one is most credible, reliable, and accurate? There is no way to know. There is no way to verify any of these accounts, to include the names or the numbers uh, that are provided in the texts. Uh, even if an actual date for the apocalypse was to be given in these sources, you have to wonder why we should believe it. Uh, the timelines are, are just so unreliable and, and probably nothing more than fancy guesswork. And although, you know, really actual dates are never given in prophecies, um, they're just known to be fulfilled after something happens, not beforehand. Um, even then, the circumstances are vague, subjective, and, and oftentimes seemingly coincidental. It's sort of like trying to um, give a like give a prediction for yesterday's weather. It's very easy to give a prediction for yesterday's weather. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and the same is true with the with the Bible. These uh, prophecies are, are vague at best and most often just untrue. Uh, take Ezekiel 26, 7 to 18, uh, where it says Nebuchadnezzar would utterly destroy the city of Tyre. But that's not what happened. Uh, it was Alexander the Great who conquered Tyre uh, about 200 years later. And in chapter 29, verse 18, Ezekiel says that Nebuchadnezzar could not defeat the city. So while apologists will say, uh, they will say uh, it's just splitting hairs, right? Uh, The city was taken eventually. And what difference does it make if it was Nebuchadnezzar or Alexander the Great who did it? After all, in chapter 26, verse 3, he says, God will cause many nations to come against Tyre. So the prophecy was actually still fulfilled. Well, the problem is that it becomes, it's fulfilled, but it's an ad hoc explanation you know, well, after something has happened, not a clear vision into the future of what will happen within a certain time frame. And like I said, it's easy to give a, a prediction of what yesterday's weather was. Um, yeah. And, and the, this uh, prophecy was not that 
tire would one day fall within the span of uh, 200 years, uh, the prediction was that Nebuchadnezzar would do it, which turned out to be uh, untrue. And also in verse 21 of that same chapter, uh, it has God saying that tire shall be no more, that though it shall be sought after, it shall never be found again. Uh, that did not come to be true. To be true. Tyre exists to this very day in the country of Lebanon. Um, it's still there. And, and it has so since the Greco-Roman era. In fact, it thrived as a commercial and trade center throughout much of the Middle Ages. Uh, it was famous for its production of uh, purple dye. So this is a pretty solid example of prophetic inaccuracy. Yeah, but strangely enough, we, we can find some noteworthy imagery from uh, Daniel and uh, Ezekiel with their visions of aerial wonders. Uh, things in the sky that are not only weird in appearance, but also colossal in size. In uh, the first few chapters of the book of Ezekiel, the uh, prophet sees a wheel within a wheel with four rings that were so high and so were, you know, they were so dreadful and were full of eyes about them, um, for his description, of course. Then there are these uh, four living creatures. This is almost a technical description of a physical object or objects and, that, and they're not not ghosts um it does sound like he's talking about some type of magic but this is very similar to many reports of modern day uh, ufos a disc shaped object that hovers and spins I and mean, we discussed this in length with one of our earlier episodes about the ufos of ezekiel and there's a book written titled the spaceships of ezekiel by joseph f blumrich a uh, former chief at nasa systems layout branch uh, he did the uh, calculations and blueprints of Ezekiel's sighting and showed that it was a flying machine. Now, you know, we are going to discuss that a little more in the future, uh, but you know, we'll focus considerably on other you know, possible flying machinery throughout the Bible. Looking forward to that one. Yeah. And it's also noteworthy uh, that in the book of Daniel, uh, here we have a, a different prophet, and he's seeing discrete creatures as well, fantastic ones, albeit. Uh, a lion with uh, eagle's wings, a bear, and, and some beast with ten horns that have eyes on them. Um, and, and they are not ghosts. And, and neither is the one who is said to be like a son of man or the one who is called the Ancient of Days. These are not ghosts. These are uh, actual, um, talking about concrete uh, objects here. Uh, so even if these guys are talking about something from a dream that they had, uh, the elements of it are not abstract. They are all tangible to the prophets. And, and these are not pleasant things that are being seen either. Uh, both of these prophets, Daniel and, and Ezekiel, are downright terrified at what they're seeing. Yeah, we can go on and on about, you know, with, the, with this kind of, you know, topic material. The, the point is, only the, the only thing that we have coming at us in the future is some type of alien invasion of some kind. Uh, the the people of our ancient civilizations may already have had the first contact. And if the uh, writers of the scriptures are correct, then we are in for the fight of our lives. <laughs> that's, uh, that's because our alien gods, you know, didn't make us to share in their glory, their technology, or their in intellect, uh, at least not for most of us. <laughs> um, yeah, they might reward a few humans who they've come to like and you know give them what would be the equivalent of political favors i don't know but um, they, they seem to have created us to serve them and work for them uh, their return means their return to that 
to being enslaved by them, just as we once were in the distant past. So let's consider that our laws were established long ago, as we see what the alien god Utu Shamish and King Amurabi um, of, of Babylon, like we we talked about in our uh, episode, Extraterrestrial Religion. Um, we have adapted and changed them to fit every society that came thereafter, that being the laws. But when the lawgiver, Shamish, El, Yahweh, uh, Anu, or some other one returns, that will be the day of judgment. Uh, will we be asked if we upheld the law as we, the human race, were instructed to? Uh, just as a court judge makes a ruling on whether or not a person is guilty, could these judges of the divine council do the same for our world? Judgment means punishment and even you know retribution. I don't really believe that this ordeal is going to be on an individual level, but instead it will be on a mass level. Uh, perhaps it will be nations that are condemned or possibly redeemed. Uh, maybe each one will be judged as being moral or corrupt and you know all of its people will benefit or suffer the consequences. That really is the core theme of biblical prophecy, right? Absolutely. The tone of all of them, especially ones like Jeremiah, Hosea, and, and Micah, their, their messages were that the people's immorality and wickedness would lead to their destruction by way of an enemy invasion. Uh, even Jesus seems to be giving a, a warning in Matthew 24, 39, 40, uh, and he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet. They shall gather together his elect from the four winds, uh, from one end of heaven to the other. Now, that didn't come to be. Life continued on, and the scriptures um, still have survived this day, 2,000 years later. It's almost like what Jesus is saying with, uh, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. That is uh, invoking the image of the arrival of large uh, spaceships in our atmosphere, much like the scene from the movie Independence Day, uh, where everyone who will uh, witness something like this will be you know, shaken to their cores. Uh, their very souls would be changed by it. Uh, that's a pretty scary thing to see, you know, coming into our atmosphere. It made it feel when I first saw it in the movie theater. <laughs> it was pretty, pretty dramatic and pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, what kind of things would happen to the Earth and us if, if there was such an, an alien arrival, like in the movie Independence Day? Um, would there be geological, meteorological, and astronomical changes, especially, you know, if you consider a, a planet like Nibiru um, approaching closer to our planet? I mean, think about how uh, tides, ocean currents, weather patterns, and plate tectonics uh, would all be affected. Oh, yeah, right. I mean, I mean, just think of how our planet is affected by the moon. That's not even a quarter of the Earth's size. Can you imagine a planet nearly the size of Jupiter coming into our solar system? That's uh, most likely what will cause the uh, many birthing pains in our planet when it arrives. Now, smaller ships may, you know, may then deploy from the mothership and fly across the Earth and abduct, abducting a uh, selection of humans, like how Jesus says in Matthew 24. Uh, then shall two be in the field, the one shall be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill, and the one shall be taken and the other left. Now, it may be that these ships would, would be uh, possibly flown by angels who are really nothing more than alien pilots and uh, who would collect a mass harvest of humans to you know, take back to Nibiru, I guess, where you know, they will worship God forever. 
Now remember that the word transliterated as worship is avad, which means work in Hebrew. So this may pose a problem for believers who think they'll be you know, up there worshiping the Lord. And it could actually be that they'll be up there working for the Lord, you know, watch like slaves. Yeah, there's a big difference between those uh, <laughs> those concepts, I would say, um, between worshiping and working. <laughs> uh, so you're, you're saying better to be working up on Nibiru uh, for the Anunnaki than to be working down here on Earth for them. Um, you know, as bar, bizarre as that sounds, it, it falls in line with the tone of, of the prophetic uh, visions of the end times. You know, even John Milton wrote in a similar fashion in his novel Paradise Lost that uh, long is the way and hard that out of hell leads up to light. And I, I guess it's, it's always better to be working for the master in the house than out in the field. Uh, either way, uh, someone is our master. Yep, either way. And this may be what Judgment Day is really all about. And and you'll have to wonder if the Anunnaki return every 3,600 years when Nibiru passes by, has humanity already experienced its uh, apocalypse? Perhaps several times in our past. Uh, may have been several of them. If that were to be so, then surely the stories would have been preserved in all of our cultural traditions. Uh, maybe the, the reason why our religions tell us so vividly about the end of days is that the end of days has already happened more than once. Um, when this may occur again is anyone's guess, just as it always has been. And if people believe that God or the gods, the extraterrestrials, are supposed to return, perhaps by being told by those aliens or, or just by coming to that assumption on their own, then people may very well have concluded that they may be in trouble for doing something that was unfavorable to, to these gods and say day of reckoning may be due to come. Yeah, we are on this planet for only a short while. As it says in James 4, 14, our lives are but a vapor. Here one moment and gone the next. So life is precious and the day may come when you know we may face annihilation from that unknown threat from outside our world, as the late former President Ronald Reagan once stated. <laughs> Yeah, and, and with that, we should deviate from our Weltschmerz uh, and leave on a more upbeat note. Uh, and that is ultimately the human race is resilient and has endured for thousands and thousands of years. If there's anything, a common theme to the uh, apocalypse metaphors uh, is that there is hope for the continuance of human beings. And like with everything else, this too shall pass. Indeed. And another profound thought is that just as the Anunnaki are the gods to us, so too could we become like gods to another species on another planet when our evolution takes uh, to that same point of technological advancement that we are able to colonize distant worlds. And thus the uh, cycle goes on. Definitely. So we hope you uh, all of you found this topic to be as engrossing and as fascinating as we did. And now for our next uh, episode, we're going to talk about uh, what we had referred to earlier today, and, and that is that which has led our ingenuity to advance so much that we as a species have become, um, quote unquote, a destroyer of worlds. And that topic is alien tech. Um, we were, uh, were we influenced by extraterrestrials uh, for the many wonders that we have, especially uh, electronic and computer wonders. Uh, that we have in our lives today, uh, there's a good possibility that we were influenced by extraterrestrials with this um, wonder of a, a technological advancement in electronics. 
Yeah, we'll, we'll delve deeply into that as we always do. Um, we'll also connect to how a lot of this topic is mentioned in the Bible about how some aliens may have helped us out with that and uh, how they, in turn, may have been punished for it. So we really look forward to that uh, intriguing topic. And so for all of our listeners in the States, we want to wish you a happy, safe, and enjoyable Thanksgiving Day weekend. I, I know I always love this time of year. How about you, Ari? Oh, yeah, nothing like it. Uh, oh, annual Thanksgiving feast, um, great food, uh, watching movies, football, whatever, relaxing. And, of course, our next episode will be on uh, December 4th, the weekend after the holiday. So, everyone, please be safe if you are traveling. And we hope you all have a fabulous Thanksgiving. And uh, be thankful. And uh, we look forward to being with you again next time here on Alien Talk Podcast. Yep. Until then, stay curious, folks. Bye, everyone.